Welcome to Asian Pacific Voices Radio, where you'll find stimulating conversations that explore diverse topics and stories impacting our communities. I'm your host, Rasha Goel, and today joining us is a special guest, Jingyi Shao. Hello, how are you? Hey, Rasha, how are you doing? It's a pleasure to be here. I am wonderful. Same here. We're so excited. So many amazing things to talk to you about. But before I get into the questions, I'd love to tell our audience a little bit more about you. Jingyi's love for storytelling began on the floor of the library. The only child of immigrants reading stories was his way of feeling less lonely and learning the ways of America. This love eventually turned into filmmaking, which he saw as a means to not only entertain others, but also to free those who were having difficulties in expressing their thoughts and feelings within himself, to, to free himself with those feelings. He also kicked off his career doing an impromptu trip to China where odd jobs somehow led him to directing commercials for global brands, including Levi's, Johnny Walker, and Cartier. And he's also had his work, um, commercials and shorts, receive recognition at the Cannes Lions, DNAD, and HBO Visionaries. His credits include China for giving... He credits his time in China for giving him the experience and self-knowledge that he needed to pursue his ultimate dream of writing and directing narrative work. There's so much to share. So I, I do also just want to mention, too, that his original screenplay, Chang Can Dunk, was named to the 2020 Blacklist and was eventually developed as Disney Plus's original. For his directorial work on Chang Can Dunk, Jing Jingyi was recently named to Variety's 10 Directors to Watch 2023, which is so incredible. And with other projects for Amazon, Netflix, and others in development, he's passionate about telling intimate personal stories that nevertheless have universal appear and bringing the marginalized and underdogs of the world to mainstream focus. Uh, that is something I'm very passionate about, so I'm so excited to speak to you more about this. What an incredible journey you've had. <laughs> um, I'd like to start off by asking you, at what point in your life did you know that you wanted to become a filmmaker? Mm -hmm. And was there an incident or a person that inspired you? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I like to think that, um, I like to think that I was born to be a filmmaker, but it was also a long journey to get to uh, convincing myself that this is something I could do as a career. You know, I was a very creative child. I loved to draw. I loved to write little stories. Um, but uh, in middle school and high school, I actually totally changed my focus to more sort of like logical, predictable paths. You know, um, my parents really wanted me to go. They're very, uh, I wouldn't say they're typical Asian American parents, but they very much had uh, typical hopes and dreams for me where I would become like a doctor or a professor or something like that. Um, and, uh, it wasn't until I think I went to NYU where I was studying something totally different. I was a psychology major and, um, I was lucky enough to take some film courses and also have a lot of friends who were in the film program. And I think being around them, watching the movies that they watched, it really opened my eyes up to the possibilities of, um, myself and what I was really, really passionate about. And once I saw that, like filmmaking is just, it's like any job, you know, there's, there's a step-by-step -step thing that you do. There's, there's things that you can learn. It's not just something that you summon out of your pure will or talent. Um, I realized that uh, it is, uh, it, it, it could be something that I could do. And I think I've just taken little moments. Uh, you know, I went to film school for a little bit, but I also had various little experiences on set that um, added added to my, you know, confidence and, and my self identity. 
and, uh, and, and here I am today. I love that. Was I, I can relate to the whole thing about going into medicine because I was supposed to be a pharmacist. Um, was there ever a moment of what if for you? Because I feel like sometimes when we come into this industry, right, especially if there's preconceived notions of what we should do logically, there's that thing of what if this doesn't work out? But I'm so passionate about this. Was there that moment for you? And how did you overcome that? Yeah, I mean, the whole time. I mean, especially um, especially when you first get into it, there's so many there's so many possibilities. There's so much risk, you know, and because, you know, a lot of us come from immigrant backgrounds, we don't really have a model to look after. But, you know, what actually really helped me was um, was learning more in depth about like story, about story structure and and. And if you, if you study like three act structure and you study story of what an actual protagonist is and what a hero is, uh, they have to go on a journey. And that journey is always uncertain. It's what makes them a hero. It's what makes them, you know, it makes, it's what makes what they're doing powerful because they are taking on a risk. And so there's been, there's always been a sort of self-reflective and you can see this in my film. There's always been a sort of self-reflective aspect of like, what I'm doing is also um, inspiring me doing the thing, you know? And, and I like to say that, like, my movie is about a, a young kid trying to dunk a basketball. But really, I think what I was trying to express was, can I be a filmmaker or not? Can I make a movie or not? You know, the movie, making a movie was my version of Chang's dunk, basically. And so uh, I used the risk. I used the fear of failure to keep me going basically. That is so interesting. I feel like you hit the personal and professional point on that, especially with this film. What was, let's talk about Chain Can Dunk. What was the inspiration? What was your deeper message for audiences with this film? What'd you enjoy about it? Um, I mean, I think it came from a lot of places. Uh, you know, I grew up watching, um, I, I, I was one of those kids that would, you know, uh, wear down a VHS, watching it 20 times. And I love, like, those coming-of-age sports films where, like, this underdog person or team kind of, like, finds a coach and then finds something within themselves to be great. You know, I love Mighty Ducks, Little Giants, Karate Kid. Um, there's so many cool runnings. Um, and, uh, and But I always remember when I, when I would watch those, um, I, I really wanted to see... Uh, a version of myself, someone who looked like me, be one of the protagonists. And, um, you know, even though I related to the heroes very much, I, there were certain aspects, like, especially the family aspect that was very different from me. And I always thought, you know, I wish, I wish that could happen to me. And growing up a little bit older, I realized, um, I realized that, you know, a lot of times it's the perspective, it's who's telling the story that's, that's important. And so uh, I, I've always set out to tell stories for almost like a younger version of myself, you know, stories that would have, films that would have um, meant a lot to a younger version of myself. At the same time, um, you know, I was looking for something. At the same time, I think like there's a lot of images swirling in my head. Like I usually start from uh, a single image that stays with me for a long time. And, um, you know, I'm a big basketball fan. And um, there was this, there was a scene, this is the first scene that I came up with that's still in the film. And it was basically a young kid and it's snowing, very cinematic. And he's just trying to dunk 
and he's doing it over and over and over again and he can't do it. And um, that just really stuck with me. And I, I think I think I took it as a challenge of like, can I make audiences care about this kid? Because, you know, like dunking is like really cool, but mm-hmm. it's not the most like, it's not the most dramatic thing that can happen in a film. <laughs> you know, especially right. like, you go to the theaters, like every film, the world is ending. You know what I mean? So like, right. can I make audiences care about this small thing just because this kid cares about it. Um, and so uh, for, for whatever reason, that, that idea stuck with me. And when I started pitching it, I, I realized that it actually, there's a deeper underlying message that I think resonated with a lot of people, which is, you know, we're all afraid. It's kind of like what you were saying earlier. You're, we're all afraid of, we all have certain goals and it could mm-hmm. be big or small. It could be career related, or it could be like something as simple, like I want to juggle, you know? And um, a lot of times we don't even try. We kind of talk ourselves out of it. And, uh, and I think, you know, life becomes so much more amazing when you do try. And you do see how far you can go, even with like silly things, right? Oh, and, yeah. Uh, there was something really, I think that message was really resonant. And so the more I pitched it, the more people were interested. And, you know, I wrote it. And then Disney was like, yeah, this is dope. We'll make it. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad place to be. No, not a bad place to be at all. <laughs> but when I wanted to talk to you about that process because, mm. you know, I think it's incredible to get a film like this, especially that is geared towards families, towards children. How, what was the process of writing this and then getting it out to a place like Disney to pick it up? I mean, were there multiple pitches? How, how does that entire process work? Um, I have to say that I am extremely fortunate in the process on this one, you know, like, um, there's very, very different pathways to a project getting made and some can take a decade and some can be very quick. So mine, there was sort of like a domin- there was like a series of dominoes that allowed the project to get made in a relatively short period of time. Um, firstly, uh, I have to shout out my producers. Um, I work with two companies called Make Ready and Hillman Grad. Hillman Grad is leading the weights company. She, yeah. you know, she won an Emmy for writing uh, Master of None. Make Ready is run by this guy named Brad Weston, who's like, you know, won Oscars for like The Revenant. Um, and they were very early supporters of me having read writing that I had done before. And um, I had another project with them that didn't work out, but they heard this pitch and they wanted to support me. So I wrote the script for them. And then as a team, we took it out to, uh, you know, to all of the platforms, Netflix. I actually originally wrote this as sort of like a PG-13. It was a, the raunchier version of the script. And oh. um, I was I was actually aiming it for Netflix because Netflix was making a lot of the YA stuff at the time. Um, but in the end, it was, it was Disney that showed the most interest. And when I thought about the film some more, I realized that, I was actually uh, pulling from you know all my memories growing up, watching these sort of like Disney classics and putting my spin on it, and so it just felt like the best home. And um, you know, usually when you go to a studio, you can develop for a long period of time, mm-hmm. but I think the circumstances of one, the size of my film, my film was a pretty small for them, and also just the timing of like how their other films were shaping up. They wanted to shoot within a year. And so um, the development process was really short. Uh, We sold to Disney in 2021. uh, Sorry, in 2020. And then we started pre-production in 2021, basically a year later. So that's a really short period of time 
for development. And like, that is like sort of like the ideal smooth sailing pitch to script to studio. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very, very fortunate on the process on this one. Yes. And Jenny, you know, what came to my mind as you were talking is that I- I'm really excited that it is on that Disney plus got this project because for example, I have a nephew who is half Korean, half Indian. He's obsessed with basketball and yeah. he's one of the top players right now on his teams. And I think that for kids that he's nine, but oh, for amazing. kids at that age, right, as Asian American kids, to see that there's a potential, that there is something I can do, I feel like I, I, th- I just think I find that more inspiring. Because yes, when you get into junior high and you get into high school, there are opportunities. But imagine the impact that it's having for younger children at the age of six or seven to know, hey, I can play this too. It doesn't matter what my background is or where I come from. So yeah, that was that was coming to my mind as, as as you were speaking about just it being on Disney Plus. I'd love to talk to you, and you know, I hate categorizing us sometimes as oh, we're the Asian American creatives or the Asian American filmmakers. But the reality is, reality is for those of us who are in this industry, is that there are challenges when we come from these marginalized communities. Could you talk about maybe some of the challenges that you have had to face uh, before or after productions that you've been a part of, or even for this film? Um, I mean, there are definitely, definitely a lot of challenges. I mean, uh, as soon as you start, you, you, um, you notice it it can be, you know, and and the film kind of is about this where sometimes it doesn't even need to be said. You don't need, you know what I mean? Like it's the whole conversation about like microaggressions versus like, you know, um, people just understanding where you're coming from. Um, if you, uh, I'll speak specifically in, t- in terms of like the making of this project. Like I wrote this project, I'm the director, you know, in a way, like when I step on set, I'm the boss, but even though I, that was the case for me, um, I, I felt very alone oftentimes in the process because, uh, because I didn't really feel like people understood the sort of nuances of the script and the sort of nuances of the of the character and in a way like um you know when you step on a set and you're the only asian face there even though you're making a story about you know an asian american family it can feel very very isolating so in a way like i was very uh i had a very strong connection with my lead bloom lee because a lot of times it felt like only we kind of understood exactly what we were doing here and why these scenes were powerful even though they felt like very very familiar scenes like i remember on the second day we were shooting you know, there's a scene where Bloom is, uh, or Chang is getting coached. And uh, I, I had to take a moment because I was like, I've never seen someone give the time of day to like a young Asian kid, an Asian guy before, in a movie before. Like someone mm-hmm. to say, you're worth my time. I'm going to train you. And you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. I had never seen that scene before. And I was like, that's really, that, that it meant a lot for me to be able to do that. But it was also a little painful because I'm like, I've been waiting for this. Uh, I've been waiting to see something like this for for years and years. You know what I mean? Um, and I guess I have to be the one to do it, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, that's like from a creative aspect, like the it's, it's challenging to be first because okay. there's a lot of pressure on you to represent, to get it right. Um, you have to sort of, you have to contend with the fact that you're the least experienced 
you know, um, there's a pressure of like, we have to be perfect. We can't mess up because if we mess up, then we're not going to get another chance. There's that feeling. It all stacks up on top of you because, you know, I think especially when you're a creative, it's about being safe enough to play because when we're playing, that's when we're most creative where we're, we're coming up with the best ideas, but you have all this pressure to perform, which is the opposite. And then, and then you tighten up and then, you know, the product isn't as good. And so, um, it was really interesting because I was feeling all these things, <laughs> but the movie's about this, you know, I mean, the movie's about this kid who's like, he says, he, he thinks he's just going to train hard and then he's going to be able to dunk, but it actually, there's sort of deeper questions at hand. Um, uh, and then, you know, in terms of the industry, I mean, um, that I'm pretty sure most people are, you know, aware of the various challenges, the fact that we're, we, uh, we don't have this sort of like old void network to lean on, um, and all that stuff. But I would say that like, for me, I think the most important thing is, uh, your own, when you look in the mirror, how do you feel about yourself as a creative and how are, how do you see your work? And if you can focus on that, I think, um, I think those sort of external challenges, um, can seem less daunting. Um, and you know, that's why I like, that's why I give Kobe a big shout out in the film. Cause I think he was a real big proponent of that, you know, Bruce Lee as well. Those people that sort of like are, are all about self-knowledge and self-understanding because once you, once you can conquer, you know, your own fears, I think those sort of external challenges become uh, less imposing. But it's getting to that point, Jingyi, right? It's like it's like realizing that and being, being, being able to conceptualize that. But I love those two questions you posed because I think that is so helpful. You mentioned representation in there. So I'd love to speak to you as you're as in a role of being a filmmaker and promoting diversity and representation. Um, in this industry, how do you hope to contribute to a broader conversation? You know, um, it's really interesting because when you're telling a story, you, um, you have to be honest. Otherwise, the audience will, will sort of feel this distance with your with your work, with what you're saying, it'll feel like it'll feel artificial to them. And then they won't be able to feel it in their heart. You know, we, we all feel this when we watch a really powerful film and it really just cuts to the core of us. Um, at the same time, you want your film to have a result. You want your film to have an impact. But a lot of times when you think too much about the impact that you want to have, it gets in the way of you being honest. So I think that like, as a filmmaker, it's really about balancing that. You want to represent, you want to represent your entire community. But sometimes when you do that, you dilute your own unique voice. You know, um, and I find that I find that to be uh, uh, quite challenging sometimes. You know, especially when like, especially when like, there's a conversation of like breaking stereotypes. You know, I think that like. When you think about breaking stereotypes, it's like, what, what are we actually trying to do? Whose mind are we actually trying to change? And, um, you know, if we're focused on changing that kind of person's perspective, then are we actually ignoring sort of our own community's needs, right? Um, I, think it's, I think that conversation is worth a little bit more analysis. You know, it's like, 
if you think if Asian men are always emasculated in media, well, why don't we put some like super hot Asian men on screen? But that doesn't always make for the best story or the most interesting story. Like that's just sort of a, that's a surface, that's a surface level thing. You have to put a story behind that, at least from my perspective. I know that, I know not everyone agrees with that. And, um, and, you know, I think that's what I try to do with, um, with Chang. And I think that the most important thing is uh, for me in terms of representation is that the main character, if we just sort of put ourselves as the main character and we have, we give them a, a, a full arc, uh, it doesn't really matter what kind of story we put out because that will, that will be, and we're honest, that will be always a great um, piece of representation that I think people will relate to. Oh, absolutely. I think that it's the balance though. Like you said, it's finding that balance uh, b- between those two perspectives. You know, for Chang and Dunk, I-, I did want to also ask you the casting process for you. Mm. Did you want to find an actor as the lead or were you looking for just a regular kid out there who could come in and you could mold to be, you know, uh, to play this character? What was the casting process like for you? Well, um, the casting process, I mean, I wanted to use an actor from the very beginning. Uh, just because there's actually, um, when you're making a studio film, there's a lot of pressure on the lead. You know, uh, it, you can't just, um, it, it, like, to be the lead of a film, especially a studio film, is, there's a lot of pressure. Uh, you, have to, you have to deliver, you know, and you deliver day in, day out. And um, that's what a professional actor does. I think, um, I think sometimes there's misconceptions because we hear stories about, oh, this is the first time this person's been on screen, et cetera, et cetera, and they were amazing. Um, but, you know, when you walk on set and there's 200 people and it's like chaotic and then all of a sudden it stops and the camera and lights are on you, you know, you need a person who can sort of hold the, hold the camera's attention in that moment. And so... Um, that said, <laughs> we opened up to uh, to sort of like actors first, um, and basically like casting process in in Hollywood works this way, which is you have a casting director, and then they have a network of um, actors that they already know, or sort of like representatives who who have actors in their stable, and then they send in tapes, and we look at that, and hopefully we pick from that first group. Um, now, if you can't find someone, then you sort of open it up to, do we look in theater? Do we look sort of like more local? Do we try to, do we try to do street casting, find some people that are undiscovered? Um, and with Chang, the main character, the casting process was very dependent on him because um, what I learned when you're casting a, um, a high school project is that uh, you have to cast a lead first because oftentimes you cast a little bit older um, just because uh, this is a, this is like a producing thing but like when you when you cast someone who's under 18 it's totally different shooting rules you basically have to shoot one and a half times longer which costs which is basically you know inflating your cost by almost double so a lot of times they shoot older and then depending on who they cast the lead you need to cast um, a love interest or a best friend that matches them in sort of their age sort of like look so for example Riverdale looks a lot older than maybe like a 13 reasons why you know um Mm -hmm. and so we had to cast Chang first and uh that was actually really really hard because 
Chang has a lot of requirements beyond being a great actor. He has to play basketball. He has to be a certain height. He has to, um, you know, he has to do a lot. <laughs> and uh, and we actually eventually did open it up to um, non-actors. And there was a kid who came in who was really, really good um, for not having acted. His last name was literally Chang, which is also funny. Um, <laughs> and in the end, we went with Bloom, who is, uh, who's, who's a very experienced actor, but he hasn't really, you know, been given, been given too many opportunities yet. And, mm-hmm. you know, as you can, as anyone who watches the film can see, he, he absolutely killed it. Yeah. Oh, how exciting. What, what do you have lined up next? Is there anything you want to share with us that you're working on or that's in the pipeline right now? Yeah. I mean, uh, um, you know, the reception to the film has been really good and it's, it's opened a lot of doors. Uh, and so right now I'm, I'm reading some scripts. Um, I'm also developing, uh, an original idea. I, the thing that is probably furthest along is, is I have another basketball project with Netflix, the TV show called madness. And, um, it kind of takes place in the crazy world of, uh, the best high school basketball players, which if you know that world, um, it's, uh, it's like basically being a 16 year old, but also being a celebrity, um, yes. <laughs> at the same time. It's intense. It's very right? intense. It's very intense. And, uh, if you know anything, um, about that world, the last two years, uh, they let the legislation has changed. So now these kids can make money off their fame, which has sort of opened this door up for like a oh. lot of crazy antics. So it's kind of I like an entourage that. meets Friday night lights in the high school basketball world. Oh, well, that should be fun. Okay, so you've got your hands full on that. Um, We have just a few minutes here. I would love to get your thoughts on, you know, coming back to the AAPI community, and Mm -hmm. we've seen so many incredible creatives, filmmakers, actors, we're getting a lot more opportunities. Do you feel that there is greater change happening to actually create change or are we still just checking off the check boxes, the mm. boxes and making sure? What are your thoughts on that? Because I'm, I'm torn between those, to be honest with you. Um, I, if I'm being totally honest, I think that we're doing, we're actually right where we should be. And I think we're doing great. And the way I look at it is for, from a very logical demographic point of view, which is, you know, when I look around at my peers, a lot of my friends uh, had immigrant parents and our immigrant parents, it was really going to be hard for them to break into Hollywood, you know, and become writers and directors. But they raised, uh, you know, a generation, a second generation that grew up, you know, uh, late 90s, early 2000s. And um, we, you know, to be, uh, to be leaders in our industries, we need to put in the time, we need to get the experience, we need to make the right connections. It takes a certain amount of time if you, uh, you know, there's there's that 10,000 hour theory, right? Yeah. And what I believe in looking at my own life is, you know, we needed 10 years to to get the, to, to not only get the right opportunity, but to be ready for the right opportunity. And I think what you're going to see in the next five years is a lot of people coming up on those 10,000 hours. And suddenly it's going to be sort of a deluge of talent and projects. I mean, just look at this year. I mean, I can name off like, not just like projects, but like pretty significant projects. I mean, Beef just came out on Netflix. Yes. You have Joyride. Ooh. You have Everything Everywhere winning all the Oscars. I mean, like if you look at just like Asian American, I mean, Chloe Zhao, it was like Chloe Zhao, Boon Jung Ho, now 
Daniel Kwan. I mean, that's three mm-hmm. Asian directors winning Best Director in the last four years. So I'm not really surprised by that because I really do think, um, I really do think that like there's going to be a certain uh, like a sudden burst of talent, and that's because of sort of the demo, like the history of our a big chunk of our community, which is our parents were immigrants. We needed to put in our time. Our time has been put in. And yes. we're about to cash in. So I'm very, very optimistic. There's still challenges, obviously, and you know, and there's still pushback, but I think our community is actually doing really, really well, at least in the field that I'm in entertainment. No, I'm I'm excited to hear your input on this. And I'm excited even for the remainder of this year and how we see things evolve. All right, before I let you go, I'm gonna have to ask you, uh, what is your favorite film to date and why? Wow, like all time. Yes, all time. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, I mean, I you know what it is? Um, I'm like torn between two. And these were like the That's seminal okay. films. These were like the seminal films that I watched at NYU. Um, one is In the Moon for Love, which everyone became super familiar with the last two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wong Kar Wai classic. Um, and the other is um, Thin Red Line, which was a World War II film by Terrence Malick that came out the same year as Saving Private Ryan. Everyone watched Saving Private Ryan. No one watched Thin Red Line, but a Thin Red Line is a is an absolutely gorgeous film that um, really touches my soul every time I watch it. And uh, so if your audience members haven't seen that film, check it out. <laughs> yes, we'll make sure that they get onto that one. And you know what? I, I find you so inspiring. And even through this conversation, it's, you know, you said that we didn't originally have people to look up to, but now we have people like yourself that other aspiring filmmakers can look up to. So what piece of advice would you offer? What piece of advice would I offer? Um, to aspiring filmmakers. Wow. Uh, I would say double down. I would say double down. I mean, that's the, that's kind of the point of my, of my movie is like, you know, that thing that you're afraid of, um, create some stakes for yourself, you know, and, and, and make sure that you at least try. And when you try, try as hard as you can and see how far you can get. And, and, um, when you do that, um, you know, my, I don't want to give it away, but my movie ends a certain way. Right. And, um, uh, the point is that when you really put yourself on that journey where you can't go backwards, um, it doesn't even matter where you end up because you'll, you'll have done something that you'll always be proud of. And for you to have that for yourself, for you to have that relationship with yourself is, is everything. And, um, that's, I think that's a mindset that I, I learned along my, along my journey, but it's also very much responsible for, you know, the opportunities that I've created for myself and the people I've met and, you know, the, the various degrees of success that I've had. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like, Jingy, I feel like I just want to grab some tea and have like a tea conversation (laughs) with you now that goes into the deeper soul part and how we bring that out into our creativity. No, this, this has been so inspirational and I'm so happy we had the opportunity to talk. Thank you. Thank Thank you you for sharing your knowledge. Yes. And everything that Uh, you've brought to the table here. I could keep going on with you. So um, in closing, I want to thank our guest, Jingyi Xiao, one more time for joining me on today's show. Now, where can people find you on social media? Uh, Any Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, where can they find you? Um, I uh, I have an Instagram account. Um, Anybody can follow me. It's it's Shaw Brother, but the O is a zero. So the O is a zero. You guys can find me and um, and I'll uh, I'll post updates on Chang. 
Yeah. <laughs> We'd love that, especially with AAPI Heritage Month coming up, right? We should be yes. keeping up the story and the film even more. And, and I'll be a part of that with you. Um, I think it's really, really exciting. And of course, to all our viewers and our listeners here, we value you so much. So if you have any suggestions for future guests or topics, do reach out to us. And also don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, as well as follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, YouTube. Once again, Asian Pacific Voices Radio is produced by Asian Culture and Media Alliance, which is a nonprofit organization that empowers our Asian and Pacific Islander communities with a voice through the media arts. So if you're interested in supporting our program, please do visit AsianPacificVoicesRadio.com. Once again, I'm Rasha Goel. Thank you, Jingyi Xiao, for Thank joining me. Yes, and make sure you check out his film, Chain Can Dunk, on Disney+. Plus. Follow him. And please join us next week for another exciting and thought-provoking conversation on Asian Pacific Voices Radio. Take care and see you next time. Bye.